This is Corolla Digital. From Level 5 City in Glendale, it's This Week with Larry Miller. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and every man who learns to like what his wife wants to do. Hi, folks, and welcome back to This Week with Larry Miller. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And again, that music, God bless those folks. They make me happy every time Dr. Chris plays that music. And you know what? Well, they get better every They really do get better every week. That's the John Borchers Orchestra. And the Christina Cazares dancers, featuring boy tenor Conan J. Robison, asking the musical question, How can a dog's bark be worse than his bite? You can't get rabies from a bark. And you know something, Conan, that's a terrific question. And both Colonel Jeff and I looked at it and said, That's a pretty good question. And, folks, maybe you've asked yourselves that, or maybe Conan found that for all of us. How can a dog's bark be worse than his bite? And the answer is very simple. It can't. It just can't. A dog's bark is never worse than his bite. It has never been worse than his bite since from, what, 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 years ago when dogs first said, Let's live with people. Let's be part of their pack. Let's learn to love them and let them love us. And we can chase things and everyone will be happy. From that day on, is that when it started? That when someone started saying, oh, don't worry about him. His bark is worse than his bite. And no, it's never worse than his bite. First of all, the bite, by definition, is always worse than the bark. Always. It has always been that way. It has from Adam and Eve days. It has from Garden of Eden days. doesn't matter. They had snakes and lions all over the place there. And the one creature I'm guessing that both Adam and Eve and even God said was just, hey, see that thing, the dog? Just stay away from him. The bite is worse than the bark. So you know what? How can his bark be worse than his bite? It, it just can't. I, I don't know why anyone would ever have said that. Because, you know, you all know this, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's anything else. And we have a doggie we love to pieces. And we had one before that We've, we love to pieces. And, you know, everyone loves dogs. If you're sane, if you're decent, you love dogs. And the dogs love you. But, you know what, sometimes maybe you have a neighbor's dog that's always barking. Well, you have to learn to deal with that. It's not that you just say, well, his bark is worse than his bite. No, you don't. Because the bark is not worse than the bite. The bite is always worse. Think of it this way. Think of any movie you've ever seen where they have a rabid dog in it. And the dog is in the street and the dog's a little crazy already. And he's kind of shaking and he's, he's kind of wandering around. And he's crazy. He's a tough dog. He looks like a Doberman or just a crazy tough dog. And his mouth is foaming with white rabies foam mouth stuff. And his head is moving around side to side. 
and it's not saliva that's dripping out. It's that stuff from like the movie Aliens where they open the mouth and it's it's a very thick kind of awful saliva, and that's dripping out, and it's all the white foam, and the teeth, you know, the skin is moved back from the teeth because the teeth are now suddenly much longer and sharper than they ever were. It's And you just know if someone said, no, don't worry, his bark is worse than his bite, you could say, no, it's not. Take a close look at that beast. That bite is going to be very bad. And if you think the bark is worse than it, why don't you go over and catch him? Why don't you do that? That'll be your job. And then you can decide for, for once and all for all whether the bark is worse than the bite. And it's not. He's going to bite you, and all that foam and all that goo and all that thick saliva and everything with the large capital R rabies is going to go into you and you can say for the rest of your life, which won't be long, you can say for the rest of your life, you know what? The bite is worse than the bark. And there's there's a cousin to this that Colonel Jeff just remembered. He said, it's always annoying when it comes to dogs that when <laughs> when when the dog bites you, when someone's dog bites you, whether it's a friend or a neighbor or anything, the owner always laughs and says, oh, I've never seen him do that before. And you can say for, forever, you can say, you've never seen him do that before? Because you just know, folks. You know, and the guy knows. You want to say, yes, you have. You've seen him do that before because he does it all the time, doesn't he? Because when he just bit me right there, that was a very practiced bite. He knew exactly what he was doing, and he knew he was doing it in front of you. He knew nothing bad was going to happen at home. He's not cowering now. He's not afraid of, "Uh uh-oh, I'll really get it when I get home with my master. He knows nothing's going to happen because you'll walk home with him, and you'll be whistling, and the dog will be whistling, and you get home, and you'll give him something good to eat, and everyone will be happy. So you know what? Whenever someone says, those are two things that are just not true. Whenever someone says, oh, I've never seen him do that before, you can always say, you can just know, yes, you have, you're a liar. You've seen him do that a ton of times, and in a sane world, in a decent world, I would vote with the rest of the neighbors to have you forced to kill the dog, and then we could kill you. And that would be that would be a good addition to everything. So that that's just not true right off the bat. I've never seen him do that before. Yes, you have. And the other thing that's not true is, how can a dog's bark be worse than his bite? It can't. It's not, and it won't, and it can't, and it isn't. The bite, once that giant, well, that mastiff jaw comes around, that's not the jaws of life, by the way, when that goes into you. When that comes around, whether it's a quick nip or a big, long one, and they're all big, long ones. He wants it to be a big, long one. You know that. He doesn't want. No dog wants it to be a quick nip when he bites you. The dog, when he bites you, is thinking, this is great. This is really going to be good for me because I love to do this stuff. And so thank you, Conan, for bringing that to us, for us, and with us. That's true, boy. How can a dog's bark be worse than his bite? Well, folks, it can't. And by Hulu Plus. That's right, Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus 
is a terrific sponsor. We like them a lot. And I'm sure you've tried Hulu.com. But, folks, I'm here today to tell you about Hulu Plus. And Hulu Plus, are you ready? It lets you watch thousands of hit shows anytime, anywhere. Now, you're going to do that anyway, but this is different. Stream these hit shows on your TV or on the go with your smartphone or tablet. Why stand in line or ride a train and just stare at your feet? I'd like to see someone doing that, by the way. I never have. But why do that? You could be watching your favorite shows on Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus is a great way to binge watch your favorite shows. Hulu Plus has tons of episodes from great comedies like SNL, Community, Modern Family, South Park, Family Guy, and thousands of other shows. Comedies, dramas, combinations, they have everything. And Hulu Plus, folks, is only $7.99 a month. That's $7.99 for all the shows and movies you can watch. Catch up on current shows, binge on an old favorite, or catch a great movie. You can do it all on Hulu Plus. And here's some great news. Are you ready? Can you all roll a drum for me? Right now, you can try Hulu Plus for a couple of weeks for free on me when you go to HuluPlus.com slash Larry. That's H-U-L-U-P-L-U-S, HuluPlus.com slash Larry. Be sure to make sure you use HuluPlus.com slash Larry so you get an extended free trial and so they know that we sent you. It helps us keep the lights on here and gives you a better deal. One more time, for the extended free trial, can we hear the drum roll again? HuluPlus.com slash Larry. We're glad they're with us at Hulu Plus, and we're glad they're with us, and they're glad we're with them. And by Amazon. That's right, our old faves, Amazon. Amazon, wow, Amazon.com. Amazon.com. You can go on your laptop, on your phone, on anything electronic, any screen you have, and go to Amazon.com and get anything you want, anything you can imagine, anything in the world, right? Wrong! No, never do that. Don't do that. That would be, well, that would be a terrible thing to do. What you do is you go to our website. That was a little close. They almost didn't go to our website. You can go to our website, which is LarryMillerPodcast.com. That's what I like to say, shaving a haircut, two bits. LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. You go to LarryMillerPodcast.com, and on our website, there is a banner that says Amazon. You click that, and that takes you right to Amazon, the official Amazon, and they have everything you've ever imagined in your whole life. But this time, when you go to our website and click our banner that says Amazon and go to Amazon that way, well, everyone is really happy because you, you're happy. You get whatever you want from Amazon. Amazon is happy because they can sell you whatever you want on Amazon. And we're happy because Amazon sends us part of the dough. They give us a percentage of what you buy and, well... 
That makes us pretty happy. And, oh, boy, you know, you, you know us here. Colonel Jeff and Dr. Chris and I are still planning. It takes a while, but we're still planning our next fried chicken and cocktail dinner. I know this could have happened sooner, but, but, but it hasn't. And it does, though, and when it does, it'll be because you go to LarryMillerPodcast.com and click on Amazon there and buy whatever you've ever you ever you want. And buy PayPal. That's right. It's another thing. It's on our website. PayPal. PayPal means it's another fun thing, and we like it this way. We like to think of it this way. You go to PayPal and go to the favorite bar you have in your area, the one you like the best, or one you've never been to before and always meant to, and find out how much they charge for a drink. And send us the money for three drinks. That's one for the colonel, one for the doctor, and one for me. And when we go out on our fancy dinner, and we're going to go out, and you'll know when we go out, because you'll hear about it from me. And you know what, though? Send us enough for three drinks, one each. And, well, folks, that's a good way to think about, well, spending part of your life with PayPal and with Amazon and with Hulu Plus. So do all of those things, and I guarantee you those companies are going to be happy. Uh, we sure will here. And it's funny, by the way, that I mentioned sending us each a drink because that blends into, are you ready, the joke of the week. That's right, the joke of the week. The weekly joke, the once-a-week joke that we call the joke of the week. It's one of my favorite parts here. Because I love comedy, and, well, you do too. And you know what? Jokes, real jokes, are just terrific. All the structures are great. It's fun to think that no matter what else our society does, that, oh, for a long time, decades, centuries, a long time, people have, even millennia, people have loved jokes, telling jokes about their, well, their society, their communities. And this one fits right in because I just mentioned on PayPal, you go and you find a drink and you can buy, send us the money for three drinks. And here's why it just fits in. Here's the joke of the week. An Irishman walks into a bar and says to the bartender, I'd like three drinks, please, and I'd like them all at the same time. And the bartender walks over and says, listen, buddy, I, I'll be happy to give you whatever you want, but I have to be honest, I think you're going to like it much better if... I give you just one drink after the other and not at the same time. I think you're going to like it better that way. And the guy says, you'd be wrong, though, because I always get my drinks and get them three at a time, all at the same time. Because, you see, where I grew up in Ireland, and now, as you know, there's a big war on. It's, well, it's World War II. And the guy says, my two brothers and I always had a drink together. And we, whenever we learned and we were old enough and we could go to a pub in the area, we always got one together and we would toast each other and it was always three drinks. And, well, I'll be honest with you, right now my two brothers are serving in the war and it makes me think of them. It helps me to remember our good times together and our good family. When I, I haven't seen them in a while and I don't know how they are, but every time I go to a bar I order three drinks and I imagine them with me, and I get them all at the same time. And the bartender says, 
That's a great story, pal. You've got a deal. He gives him the three drinks. The guy comes in the next night, does the same thing, orders the three drinks in a row, and at the same time, the bartender just smiles and winks at him and gives him the three drinks all at the same time. And every night, the guy comes in, does the same thing. Finally, one night, he comes in and orders two drinks. He doesn't order three drinks. He orders two. And the bartender walks over and says, listen, I, I hate to pry, but I, I noticed you ordered two drinks tonight instead of three. Is everything all right? I is, Was one of your brothers killed? And the guy says, oh, no, I stopped drinking. <laughs> That's a pretty good joke. We like that one over here. And by the way, that one came from my wife because uh, we use all of, well, Colonel Jeff's uh, official Internet 100 best jokes of all time and all the old jokes that I could remember and I would call my friends comics up and say, you have anything right now, one that you've had in the back of your head since fourth grade and the jokes that I remember that you remember that that the things you keep forgetting and suddenly reminds you, and you say, oh, yeah, let, why don't I tell that joke? So today I called home, and uh, I said to my wife, do you know any jokes? And she went to something on the, the Internet. It's a new site. It's called Shut Your Husband Up. And it's, well, that's not the actual title, but it, it is to me. But you know what? She found uh, this one and several others, and she told this one, and I told it to Colonel Jeff and to Dr. Chris, and they they all like this one. It's uh, it's nice and silly. It's very it's very, as a joke should be that it sets up a whole world that you can make yourself when you tell the joke. And remember, that's called a shaggy dog story. You can get into what the guy was wearing. You can get into what the bar looks like. You can do anything you want with that joke, and it still gets to that wonderful time at the end. Where the bartender says, uh, I hope nothing happened to, to any of your brothers. Are they okay? Did, did one of them get killed? And the guy just says suddenly very, in a very charming way, Oh, no, I just stopped drinking. So there you are, folks. I think that's a good entry for the joke of the week. And thanks to my wifey who who found that for us. Which leads us into a wonderful part of the show that I love doing, the Poetry Corner. That's right, the Poetry Corner, the corner of poetry. Poetry is, remember, such a wonderful way to look at life. It doesn't mean you do it every second of every day. Well, that would ruin the day and it would ruin the poem. But you know what? The way a great author looks at the world and the way, well, a great poet looks at either love or the sun coming up or the way a family is, or the way work is going, uh, wherever you work, that's sometimes, well, it's a great way to look at life. And if that poet is good and the language is good, well, it can be very moving and it can be very affecting and it can make you smile or it can even bring a tear to your eye. And sometimes when those things happen at the same time, it's, e it's even better. So here we go. This week for the Poetry Corner, it's someone... We've gone to before, and you just can't go to enough. The great Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, who lived from, what was it, 1807 to 1882, something like that. And, well, he accomplished so much. He was so well-known. He was a beloved poet, and he wrote some, so, some long, wonderful ones. Well, 
Hiawatha and Evangeline, and these are long poems. You know, the first time you read one of these in eighth grade, you, you think, oh, it's just a poem. This is great. We're going to spend four months on a poem. And then you read the poem and you realize, oh, I see. It's a four-month-long poem. It's, it's not, but they're, they're, they get to be very long, some of them. And this one, this one, I think, works really well. And so does Colonel Jeff, and so does Dr. Chris. So here we go. It's called A Psalm of Life by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Tell me not in mournful numbers life is but an empty dream, for the soul is dead that slumbers, and things are not what they seem. Life is real, life is earnest, and the grave is not its goal. Dust thou art, to dust returnest, was not spoken of the soul. Not enjoyment and not sorrow is our destined end or way, but to act that each tomorrow find us farther than today. Art is long and time is fleeting, and our hearts, though stout and brave, still like muffled drums are beating. Funeral marches to the grave. In the world's broad field of battle, in the bivouac of life, be not like dumb, driven cattle. Be a hero in the strife. Trust no future, however pleasant. Let the dead past bury its dead. Act, act in the living present, heart within and God o'erhead. Lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing leave behind us footprints on the sands of time, footprints that perhaps another sailing o'er life's solemn main, a forlorn and shipwrecked brother, seeing shall take heart again. Let us then be up and doing with a heart for any fate, still achieving, still pursuing. Learn to labor and to wait. And there it is, A Psalm of Life by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Well, it's true, isn't it? You know what? That's another thing about a great poem. Someone who says, hey, you know what's good in life? Not to worry about, well, not to say life is but an empty dream. You don't say that. What you say is, you know what? Let's achieve. Let's get up every day and say, this day will be better than the one before it because I will make it better. And I'm going to pray for help in making it better, and I'll get both things. And you know what? I think that's the way Henry Wadsworth Longfellow looked at life. Which leads us, by the way, to another great way to look at life. In this case, it's my magic movie moment of the week. The magic movie moment is another favorite part of the show for me. The magic movie moment means... It's the things you love and I love. A great movie that you've seen 30 times. Maybe you've just seen it for the first time, but it's really one you've seen many times, and there's a part of it. It may be a long part that goes throughout the whole movie, or it may be one scene, or it may be one look from one actor to another, but you know it's coming. 
and it means a lot to you. It says something to you. It means something in the story itself, or it means something on its own. And that creates something magical. And that's the only word for it. It's magical. And that's why I love calling this the magic movie moment. And this time, it's one that always was magical to me. It's from a movie called Nothing in Common from 1986, directed by Gary Marshall. It's, oh, what a cast. Tom Hanks, Jackie Gleason, Hector Elizondo, Celia Ward, Bess Armstrong, Eva Marie Saint, so many folks. Barry Corbin also, who's, you know, from, oh, a thousand movies. It's a wonderful cast, and it's a wonderful story. And, by the way, it was written by Rick Podell and Mike Preminger, and I know them both, and they wrote a great script. And it's a wonderful, good, meaningful story. And there's a part of it that runs through it that became, for me, a magic movie moment. Sometimes in movies, well, sad movies are great. Sometimes battlefield movies are great. Now, whether you know they're going to work out or they're not going to work out, it's fine. If the movie is great, then it should always happen that way. But in this movie, something about it from beginning to end Something about it is magical enough that it doesn't scare you as you go through it. And what it does instead was it leaves you with a feeling of, you know what, I don't know why, but I think this is going to work out. Somehow I I think this is okay to put my heart into, to smile as I watch it. And it's got so much in it. Oh, boy, it's all the best of what Gary Marshall can do. It's a storyteller. It's, it, it makes you smile, and it makes you laugh, and it makes you sad, and it makes you think about your life, your family, your parents, what you may or may not have brought to the world already. If you haven't seen this movie, see it, Nothing in Common, from 1986, and there's something in it that became a magic movie moment for me from the first time I saw it throughout till today. And it's, it has to do with Bess Armstrong and Celia Ward. They're both wonderful actresses. They're terrific. And as I hope you know, they're both gorgeous. They're really, really beautiful women. And also two, well, I suppose you could say different kinds of beauty. Celia Ward is an elegant, sophisticated, worldly. She's like a European-looking sort of like a model, but really more basic than that. Her her eyes, her, her dark hair, and her figure, she's just gorgeous. And she's a great actress. And in this part, she really plays the heck out of it. And I don't want to tell you if you haven't seen it, but, well, she gets involved with Tom Hanks, and they're both happy about it. But there's something else there in the movie, in the story, in the way these characters move and live. And that happens to be, in this case, Bess Armstrong. And, well, I'm lucky. I had a chance to work on other things with these two women. And I, I, well, I loved them both. I don't mean just falling for someone where you like a woman. And uh, I just, well, although that was there. But I just mean that getting to know these folks and sitting there and chatting every day is really something. And I, I got... Uh, just a real kick out of Bess Armstrong, and we're talking about our kids and 
and how she was going through this and that with her kids and good things and how they dealt with this at school and I was going through this and how what we're dealing with it with our kids and here's what became the magic movie moment for me whether the loves Tom Hanks gets into in these movies work out or don't as they grow as they get better each of these women both of these women play characters where you think to yourself you know what I think I would fall in love with her too and I don't want to well spoil it and say how it works out and who gets whom and and I don't need to tell you this you'll see it on your own if you've seen it already see it again because it's very very good and by the way Jackie Gleason and Eva Marie Saint and so and so the real stars of so much great work over their lives were wonderful in this and they tell a great story but the magic movie moment for me is every time you see Celia Ward or Bess Armstrong on the scene you just look at them and it's not that Gary Marshall is trying to shoot them as beautiful it's that they are beautiful and the characters they play make them even more beautiful and make you like them and care about them more and well whether you're a, a fella like me just watching a beautiful woman on the screen whether man woman or anything you have and anything you want watching these two women make this a magic movie moment in nothing in common throughout the whole movie from the first time you see them you feel like a child almost saying wow she sure is beautiful i wonder what's going to happen now and it's well worth investing your time and finding out what happens there see it if you've never seen it see it again if you've already seen it nothing in common directed by gary marshall and written by rick podell and mike preminger and you know what folks just seeing Bess Armstrong and Celia Ward every second on that screen and seeing how they tell their stories as their characters well makes it a magic movie moment for me and I'll bet it will be for you too and it it makes you wonder it's remember it's not exactly what real life is because there are so many other colors in love and in a marriage for instance that well aren't always happy it doesn't make it easy my wife and i love her and she loves me and or so she says but no she does and you know what though she gets ideas to do things this is the way it should happen in any marriage that the woman gets ideas to do things and the husband if he has any brains at all goes along with her and just does them my wife a month or so ago said you know what let's do let's go to england say between christmas and new year this year and that'll be great because we can take the kids and we can cash in some of your airline miles that you have and we can fly in the best way maybe business class maybe first class maybe they'll let you fly the plane and you know what let's do that let's go to england and let's we'll rent a car and we'll drive through the countryside and 
will do all sorts of important things. And I could see, by the way, she brought this up. It was at the dinner. It was at the dinner table that night. So the kids were with us, and I could glance over and see she's already brought this up to the kids. I mean, she's she's pretty sharp. She's not an idiot. She's she's gotten to the kids before separately and together, and sold them the idea of going to England when they're not in school. Well, just before the second semester starts. And so they're already with the program, whatever that means. And so I looked back, and I just sat there and started nodding. And she said, now, there are certain things we have to do. We just have to do there. We have to take the boys to high tea. We have to go to high tea. By the way, that's a great phrase, high tea. I mean, I, I've been to a high tea before. It just doesn't, you know, it, it, it just, well, it doesn't mean that much to me. But I understand that it's an elegant thing to do. I, I'm not a complete idiot. I know that people want to do this. I'm not one of them, but I know that people do. And so she says, we have to go to high tea. And I glanced over at the boys and said, well, you know, if mommy says we have to, we have to. You're going to love it. It's high tea. Well, now, I didn't, I didn't dump too much on that, you know. And I said, and then she said, plus, you and the boys are big fans of World War II. You love all the old war movies. And you know what? We, there's a Winston Churchill Museum there, and you can see his office. They have Now, I know she put that in for me. You know, it's like any other, frankly, it's, it's like any other vacation we've gone on. Where, and she says, wherever the place is, it doesn't matter. She wanted to go to Hawaii once. And that's fine. I'm not, again, I'm not a complete idiot. I know she wants to go to Hawaii. And she always says after the first couple of things, like, oh, we each get a bedroom, and it's in the hotel, and especially with your airline miles, we can do this and that with it. And then she always says to me, plus, you're going to love it. They have a happy hour. They, she always says that because, well, they do have a happy hour. The hotel isn't stupid either. They know there isn't a man in that hotel on this vacation who wants to be there. So they know what the man wants to do is, when his wife finally says, you know what, we've done so many good things today with high tea in the Churchill Museum. Why don't you go down to happy hour on your own and relax a little? Now, of course, that's what I want. That's what any man wants. That's why I brought the books with me. So at that point, yes, you go down from the room, take one of your books or one of theirs. It doesn't matter. There are books on those shelves there that no one's ever read. But you can take one of your own, go down to the bar. And if it's Hawaii, order a Mai Tai or something like that. And you sit there, and at that bar and at every table in there, it looks, well, it looks like a gay bar for 50-year-old men because that's the only people who were in there. There are no other humans in that bar except every father who was finally cut loose by his wife and was told, you know what, why don't you go down to the happy hour? And he's... He's happy. That's why they call I think that may be why they call them happy hours, because it's the only time he's happy. And so you do that. You go down there. You don't spend hours and hours down there. You spend 45 minutes or an hour down there with your book, and you can have two, maybe three Mai Tais. And if you've never had a Mai Tai, by the way, well, it's like seeing nothing in common. If you haven't seen it, just do it. If you haven't had a Mai Tai, just do it. Go to, it's worth a trip to Hawaii to go to a fancy hotel and get a real Mai Tai. I don't know what goes into these things, but they're really good. They're pretty tasty. They're fun to drink, and they're very strong. 
And I say strong because if you have two of these things, or maybe even three, it's like the old saying about martinis that maybe I've I've told on the show before, but maybe maybe you've heard it if you didn't hear me say it. But the old saying with martinis is that uh, one is not enough, two is too many, and three is not enough. So, and I'll, be, I'll bet you a dollar you folks know how true that is. It's the same with my ties. So the point is, yes, that's happy hour. Whatever my wife, bless her heart, whatever she wants to do, it's nothing I want to do, but you have to do it if you have any generosity and any love in you at all. Being a married man is not the time to ever say what you might call the truth. If your wife says, hey, how about this? Does that sound like a good idea? You can never say to her, no, it sounds like a terrible idea. I don't want to do it. Yes, we could go to England between Christmas and New Year's. We could. Or, hey, here's another another idea. How about this? We stay home and just sit in chairs instead. How about that? And then we just watch movies I want to see. How would that be? You can't do that because the point of a marriage is, and this is from Adam and Eve on, the point of the marriage is that whatever your wife gets an idea to do, it's because she wants to do it. It's because she's going to love doing it. And you know what you should do? If you have any brains at all, do your best to be a good husband and a good father and smile at her and say, you know what, honey, that sounds really good. And this happened yesterday to me, by the way. She'd been bringing this up before. She brought up the trip to England seven or eight times already. And that's enough. Seven or eight times is enough for a wife to understand that she's brought it up enough, that the husband knows exactly what she means. And she said to me, and the kids were around there again. It was the same thing. She made a nice dinner, and we're all sitting there eating it. And she said to me, but she said it to everyone, but it was meant to me. She said, Look, you're going to love this trip, right? It already sounds good to you, right? Don't make me sound like an idiot because I'm the only one who wants to go on this. You you, you love the thought of this, right? Now, again, you can't say, what does the word truth even mean there? No, it doesn't sound good to me. So I said to her, trying my best, which is a good way to be as a husband. Try your best. So I looked back at her and just nodded and smiled and said, you know what, I'm with you all the way, and it's a fine idea, it's a great idea, and we're going to have a terrific time. And because uh, she knows what everything I like, she said, you know, you can go, you can take the boys to where the Magna Carta was signed. Yeah, okay, fine, you know. And I know I, I'd like to say that it's, it's meaningful to me, but, you know, not to everyone else, really. I mean, now, I'll make you this deal. I would go to see the Magna, where the Magna Carta was signed, and then right after that, go to happy hour. Now, that would be a good combination. But I said to her, with all my heart, as well as I can mean it, and I like to think I know something about acting in a good sense, telling a story in a good way, and I said to her, Honey, you know what? We'll use all the mileage I have and... We'll get up some good reservations and, uh, hey, I'll call my friend Hamilton because he and their family 
lived in England for a long time. Well, no long time, like 12, 15 years. And and she got really excited about that. And uh, she said, yeah, yeah, call Hamilton. He'll know. Ask him what hotels. And then she, she got really into that. She said, now remember, we don't want the kind of hotels where some kind of duke and duchess have to go to, all right? So tell him that. We don't want to. We want to be able to get some airline mileage on this and get the get the rooms for free. And I said, "Honey, I know just what to tell him." She said, "Don't go to the ones." And he sent us to one once where you know they had a bartender. Well, I don't even want to say this. It gets a little ethnic, but the bartender sold us. He put "sold" in quotes, by the way. Some very expensive liquor that we didn't even want. And this guy saw us coming as soon as we walked in there. But you know what? I said, I'll call Hamilton. He'll know places to go, and he'll know what to see, and he'll know what I want to see. And so the point of this is, though, folks, I guess the theme of marriage in a way, if you're a man, sure, it's fun to make jokes about. I make a lot in my act. And sure, they're based on truth about what the man really thinks and what the woman really thinks and what the kids really think. But you know what? The other times in life, that's not the way to be. That's not the way to act. That's not the way to live your life. If you're a man, the first step for you when you get up in the morning and you look up and say, please help me to be a good husband today and a good father and better than I have been. The first step in that is when you can look at your wife with all your heart and try your best and smile and say, Honey, it sounds like a great trip. I'm glad you thought of it, and I'm glad we're going. So, folks, for now, believe me, that's not a bad way to live. Whenever people say in a successful marriage, well, it's hard work. You have to tell the truth. I would say, no, it's hard work, but not because you tell the truth. It's hard work because you try to make your wife feel good about the things she wants. She knows certain things, and I know certain things, and you know some of the things I know. That's right. Homer is Homer. Pluto is a planet. And remember, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's still the truest thing I know whether it's in your living room or England. Have a great time. We'll see you back on the show next week here. This week with Larry Miller recorded live in Sense Around, which really helps the jokes.